Well, it is so good to be in church with you all this morning. Isn't God good? Yeah. Thank you, Pastor Mark. Even though that was a video, he was here in person to give that warm welcome. So I'm so grateful to be here today. Uh, and like you said, my name is Malachi, and currently I'm down in uh, Springdale, uh, the Nazarene Church there, and uh, where I serve as the pastor of group life. And I got the best job in the world because it's my responsibility to help people grow in their relationship with each other, but more importantly, to grow and go deeper in their relationship with Jesus Christ. And what better job is that? Amen? That's a great job. And so this right here is the place where it all began for me. Right here at Xenia Nazarene. It was in 2008. I actually started coming here in 1998. But it was in 2008 when this church, you guys were all so very gracious to me, and you saw the call that God had on my life, and you issued me my very first local minister's license. And so here I am um, all these years later, but during those early years, I remember being so excited and so passionate to share Jesus with others. I'm still excited. Anybody excited to share Jesus with others? I mean, that is the best thing that we can do as believers in this world is to share Jesus. Well, many of those opportunities, they came at what we call the search and rescue events. Anybody remember the search and rescue? If you were here back then, but search and rescue was awesome. I got to share the gospel message to so many people. Uh, there were many more opportunities uh, when I began to lead the children and teens over at the Riverside campus. But I got to say that many of you, I've seen a lot of new faces, so I don't know some of you, but the ones that I do recognize and, and had built relationships with, I want you to know this. It was because of you. You shaped me to become the person that I am today, and more importantly, you have shaped me to become the pastor that I am today. Well, like I said, I was passionate, and I was excited in those early Years And I wanted everybody, everybody to know about Jesus and that he had transformed my life and that he also had a desire to transform their life as well. See, God has given me many opportunities through the years to share my faith, but man, he has been so gracious to allow me to be in a, a situation where I can help lead people and guide people to a point to where they have said yes to Jesus they said, I'm all into Jesus. Jesus, forgive me my sins. I want this new life in Christ. And so here we are in 2022. And when I look back at all those years in between, God has taught me a few things. Isn't it good when God teaches you something new? When he grows you? Well, God has definitely grown me a lot these last several years. But God taught me a few things. And one of the important things that God taught me, it's this. He has taught me to make more followers of Jesus. No amens on that? Come on now. He wants us to make more followers of Jesus. I mean, the good news, the gospel, uh, evangelism, that is great, and that's a must in this whole uh, 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 journey with Christ. But see, the mission of Jesus is to make more disciples of Jesus. And so what he's taught me, it's about both. you got to share the good news. You just can't have that one-time conversation at an altar and just leave them there. You can't just have that one-time conversation with somebody at work and just leave them there. He calls us to journey with other people to make more 
followers of Christ. And so it's both evangelism and discipleship. And so here's my passion today is that I want to lead people to follow Jesus who then lead other people to follow Jesus, who then one day, eventually, they will lead people to what? Follow Jesus. This, my friends, is how we're going to win the world for Jesus. We're not going to change the world with our opinions and our agendas. We are going to change this community. We're going to change this world when we make more followers of Jesus. Well, God has also taught me some other things. And here's something else that he's taught me. He has taught me that I can have all the passion in the world, that we can have all the excitement in the world, but if we are not careful, we can lose our focus and we can miss the mission of Jesus. And so here this morning, I want to share just for a few moments, I want to share just for a few moments about drifting away. We're going to start in Hebrews chapter 2 this morning. It's going to be our introductory verse, which will lead us into the main text. But Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1 says this. It says, we must. Can I have everybody say that? We must. Oh, the first service, a lot less people, but they were a little bit louder. Come on now. We must. Let's say it together. We must. It says, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore to what we have heard so that we do not, what? Drift away. My earliest memory was when I was three years old. I'm 45 today, so that was a long time ago. Anybody remember their earliest memory? Mine was when I was three years old. I was on a family vacation with my mom at the time, my dad, and my older brother. And we were on a beach in Florida. Uh, I have my in-laws here today and a few other family members, and we just got back from Florida. Notice the the, the little bit darker skin here today. But um, it was a great time. Thank you so much for an awesome vacation. Uh, But my earliest memory was when I was three years old, and we were vacationing uh, in Florida. I was on a beach, and I had my sand bucket. You remember those days? I had my sand bucket, and I was having the best time on the beach with my bucket, and I was playing in the sand, making sand castles. And then my mom and dad, they said, hurry, we got to get up and we got to go because a storm is coming. And and, and the storm, it come up a little bit more quickly than what we had expected. And so in the process of packing our things up and leaving, my sand bucket got caught up by a wave, and it was taken out to sea. You feel my pain right now? I was three years old, and I remember standing on the shore of that beach, and I remember crying out, Mom, go get my sand bucket. And Mom and Dad said, it's too late. The sand bucket, it's gone. And there I was, devastated as a three-year-old, and I was watching my sand bucket drift a little farther and then a little farther and then a little farther away until it was gone. Our main text today, it's actually going to be in the book of Malachi. Would it be okay to preach in the book of Malachi? I've really not preached a whole lot in the book of Malachi, believe it or not. But in Malachi, it's the last book of the Old Testament. And it would be the last time that God speaks through one of his prophets 
And then God would be silent for 400 years. And if God knew that he was going to be silent for this period of 400 years before Jesus would come on the scene in the Gospels, wouldn't you think that God would have a pretty profound message for the people, right? And so here's this message that God had for the people. He wanted to make sure that the people, they heard one final message and they would be very careful to hear and to do what he said. And this was the message. You won't see these exact words in Malachi, but this is the message that you hear in the book of Malachi. God says this. He says, don't drift away. See, Malachi was a prophecy to the people of God who had drifted away from God. And so this morning we're going to be talking about drifting away. And so you might ask the question, well, what is a drift? What does it mean to drift away? And so when I think about that in my relationship with Jesus and spiritually speaking here now, a drift, um, it it can mean different things for different people, but I'm going to go through real quickly. Here's the main thing. See, Jesus was... And Jesus is, and Jesus will always be our anchor. And whether you own a boat or not, or you've been on a boat or not, we all know what an anchor does in regards to a boat. You put the anchor down and it holds the boat in place. But spiritually speaking, in my relationship with Jesus, an anchor, Jesus, he keeps me grounded. He keeps me firm. See, it might be, I might not be able to see it, but it's down there. He's below me. He's my foundation. Jesus has got me. He holds me together, and he holds you together. Jesus, the anchor, he keeps me connected. He wants us to be connected not only to him, but he wants us to be connected to other believers in Christ. And so that's why we come together and worship corporately. But we also need to go a little bit deeper and meet in smaller groups and and get together and, and help each other in this journey called life. But an anchor also prevents us from being pulled away into an area where it might not be so good. Drifting is this. Drifting is a slow flow away. It's a slow flow away from our anchor in Jesus Christ. See, I know for a fact that people just don't wake up one day and they said, man, I'm done. I'm done with Jesus. He's been good to me for X amount of time, but I'm just done. People just don't do that in one night. They just don't. And so it's not the fact that people decide to stop living altogether for Jesus But here's what happens. We begin to loosen the rope of our lives. We begin to loosen a little bit here, and then we begin to loosen a little bit over here, and that might be in the way that we think. we got to have the mind of Christ, but, but, but a lot of times we loosen the rope and we begin to have the mind of the world. We might begin to loosen the rope in, our, in, in the morals that we once had. We begin to loosen the rope in the way that we speak or the way that we think or the actions that we do. We might even begin to loosen the rope of our trust in Jesus. But at any rate, what happens is when we begin to loosen that rope, little by little, we begin to drift away from that awesome relationship that Jesus has saved us to have. And so in the book of Malachi, it's only four chapters, but I have found seven different drifts that I want to share with you this morning. Malachi the prophet, he knew that if the people were to just pay close attention to what they were about to hear, that they would not feel judged. 
That they would not feel like they were in a place of, oh no, I could never get out of this. But that they would know that God is trying to say these things so that it would bring them life. And they could begin to live the life that God has always called them to live. And so here we go. You guys ready for this? Oh, one person. Maybe two. Are you guys ready for the drifts? Here we go. Seven drifts. The first one was this. The people of God. Remember, this is a prophecy to the people of God. The, the people, they drifted from the love from God. In Malachi 1-2, it says this. It says, I have loved you, says the Lord, but you ask, how have you loved us? I find it interesting that even in my own life, there have been some good days and how quickly I can forget all of the good things that God has done for me. Anybody with me? There were those good days and God did some amazing things in your life. But when there comes that time of silence or you, there comes that time of, of distance and, and maybe quietness and you feel like that, that maybe God isn't there anymore, you feel like God's not listening to you anymore, it, it, then you begin to forget all the good things that God has. How have you loved me, God? He has. He has remembered you. See the, see, the people of God, they had forgotten how much God had loved them and all that he had done for you and for them. Has he been good to you? Has he been good to you? He's been good to me and my family. He's been good. He is a good, good father. And here's the thing. My love and your love, it's always based on conditions. I will love if this condition is met. I will love as long as this person does this. It's a condition. We live our lives that way. Well, I will love, and then when somebody doesn't fulfill that condition, we find ourselves not loving them the way that we should. But here's the awesome truth. God's love is based on a covenant. He says that I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. God always continues to love us. It's a covenant. He just doesn't break that covenant because we've walked away or because we have drifted. And so here this morning, if you have found yourself drifting or you've, you, you've recognized that, man, I'm not where I used to be in my relationship with Jesus. I remember those good times when I had some passion, when I had some excitement. But if you find yourself here today and you've drifted a little uh, farther away from God, I want to share that God's grace is still good for you today. He's calling people back to him, his great love. It's even right here in this space for you today. The second drift is this. The people drifted from their worship of God. The prophet goes on to share how the people, they cheated God with lame worship. See, in the Old Testament, Worship was always about sacrifice in the literal sense. People would bring um, an animal and they would sacrifice. And, and that sacrifice would be offered to God. And it was always about what the people were offering to God. And there was also a time when the people would prepare themselves the night before. All right? What did you all do last night? I, I wish I could say I was, I was just like on my knees in prayer like for three hours, but I wasn't. 
Did I prepare myself the night before? Did I, did I bring an offering? Did I bring a sacrifice? Well, here's the thing that we find in Malachi is that at some point, the people of God, they thought that God just wouldn't notice the lame animals. They were bringing in their goats with broken legs. See, God wanted the best of the best. He wanted the firstborn of the flock, but the people began to bring in their leftovers. They begin to bring in the lame and the injured animals for the sacrifices. And, and, and I've been there. I can remember back in the, 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 the late 90s, early 2000s when I was sitting right here in some of these pews. And it was all about routine for me. I would just show up and I begin to cheat God with my worship. And this person doesn't know this. I don't know if they're in here today. But I can remember seeing somebody and they had a heart for Jesus. They wanted their worship to go back to Jesus, and they wanted to give him their all. And I can remember being a Christian, but I noticed somebody up on this platform. His name is Paul Dennis. And I saw in his face and in his life, it was being displayed, this heart of worship, that he loved his Jesus. And he wanted people to know that he was in love with his Jesus. But there was a time in my life when it was all about routine. And I wasn't giving Jesus my all, and I wasn't honoring him with my worship. And so thank you, Paul, for being that example in my life to reveal to me that I need to be prepared and bring God my best. God doesn't desire a weekly routine. I hope that you all show up next week and the week after and the week after. But God doesn't desire a weekly routine. God desires a willing heart. And when God has our heart, we will give him our best. The next drift was a warning for pastors. We got any pastors in the house today? Uh-oh, nobody. Uh-oh, retired pastors. We got any staff pastors? Anybody that wants to be a pastor? Yeah, uh, no, no hands are going up now. So if you're not a pastor, then you can just sit back and take it easy now and say, whew, this one's for me and the pastors that are in here today. But the next drift was a warning to pastors. The people or the pastors, they had drifted from the truth about God. Malachi 2.8 says this, But you priests have turned from the way and by your teaching have caused many people to stumble. In the Old Testament, God set apart the priest to be the communicators. They would be the ones that would communicate to the people. God would have a message. The priest, they would communicate it because God was trying to get people into a right relationship. God wanted people to have life and peace in their life. God wanted people to turn away from sin and not towards sin. And it was the priest's responsibility to do this communication. But even the priests, the pastors, and I know you got a good heart, my brother, but even the pastors began to drift away from the truth and they cared more about pleasing people and what they wanted to hear rather than pleasing God and what God wanted to be honored with. And we know that anytime we try to please people more than please God, things get a little messy. And so a transformed life in Christ, it occurs when we turn people away from sin and we begin to communicate and help them turn towards obedience in Jesus. And so pastors or anyone that's feeling a call on your life to be a pastor, guess what? We are the messengers of God. We are the Malachi's of our ministries. 
We are the ones that, that the people need to hear it from our lips. They, we, they need to hear that Jesus is the way, that he is the truth, and that he is the life. And we don't need to be a stumbling block. We need to communicate clearly, and we need to be a bridge that connects people back to God. But we need to do it in a graceful way. Jesus says, I, I come in grace and truth. And so he wants us to gracefully tell people about the truth of God so that it will bring life in their lives. The next drift, number four, the people, they drifted from their marriage. Raise your hand if you're married today. More than half the crowd. So this one could be for us. They drifted from their marriage. Have you ever been so desperate, not for a, a spouse, but have you ever been so desperate in your life and you were crying out to God and you felt like God just wasn't listening? Anybody there? I've been there before. Crying out to God, Lord, why, why is this happening in my life? Why isn't this going right? Lord, like, why, why isn't this being accomplished? Why does there seem to be so much chaos in my family? Well, the Bible teaches us that our prayers are hindered when we have unfaithfulness to our spouse. 20 years ago, this August 3rd, 20 years ago, will mark uh, my wife and I's anniversary. Been together for Married for 20 years. And I got to tell you, man, I was really romantic back in those days. I really was. Why aren't you nodding your head? <laughs> there we go. But when we got married those 20 years ago, we stood before 200 witnesses. And I began to say so many romantic things. Actually, I was just repeating what the pastor told me to say. I mean, if he could have probably said, hey, we're going to lunch at McDonald's after this. And I probably said, hey, honey, we're going to lunch at McDonald's after this. I don't remember. But I said my vows, and there we were. We had 200 people that were our witnesses, but there was one witness that also saw this go down as well. And it was, it was God. He was our witness. God was our witness. And as I began to say to love and to cherish, and I began to say to be faithful until death do us part, that became a covenant. See, that wasn't just a certificate, a marriage certificate, or a piece of paper. Ashley wasn't just a piece of property that I could do whatever I, I felt like. Uh, she was now one with me. God was our witness, and I was now one with her. We were one flesh, and God was our witness. And the husbands of Israel... They had become unfaithful to the wife of their youth. And they were down at the altars and they were crying and they were desperate and they were begging God, why is this happening into my life? And God says, you've drifted from your covenant relationship with your spouse. And so husbands today, I want to speak to you because I'm a husband. Wives, this is good for you too. But husbands, we hold the power of a godly family, or we hold the power of a broken family. And so I want to choose the power of a godly family. And when we are faithful to our spouse, God will be faithful in our circumstances and to our families. The next drift is this. The people, they drifted from the justice of God. Anybody look around lately? Does it seem like good is called evil and evil is called good? That right is called wrong and wrong is called wrong. It just seems like everything's so upside down in our world today, like this is the first time this has ever happened. 
Well, back in the time of Malachi, this is exactly what was going on. Evil was good and good was evil. And the people of God, they were upset with God. They said, God, why are you so absent? Why aren't you bringing your justice and your judgment? What's going on? Why, why, why are you never doing what you should be doing to make things right? But see, God is never absent in his justice. God has always been waiting for the arrival of Jesus who works everything out. And so if you're here today and you feel like maybe God's absent in his justice, I want you to remember this right here. Don't stop living for Jesus just because other people have decided to stop living for Jesus. You keep on going. You stay connected to that anchor. You don't, don't loosen that robe. Don't, stay, stay true to biblical morals, but stay true to, 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 to loving people as well. Let Jesus work those things out. Be anchored to Jesus. And as we wait for Jesus, keep loving people and not just the person that you like. Keep loving the people that are lost. God's called us to make, make disciples for Christ. And so that calls us to love people that we might not agree with. The next drift was this. You might be familiar with this one. They drifted from their tithing to God. Most people were familiar with the, the famous tithing verse in Malachi 3.10. Well, a few years ago, actually more than a few years ago, uh, I was trying to teach my boys about business. And so my oldest son... Um, he was probably about 10 or 11 years old at the time, and he had a bike that was used, but it was still in really good shape. And he wanted to sell it because he wanted to buy a new bike. And so I said, that's, that's really good. Like, let's sell this. Let's put it on Craigslist, and, and we'll put a price tag of $20 on that. And then when you make $20, you can put it towards your new bike. And so there we were. We found somebody on Craigslist. We arranged to meet at McDonald's because that's a safe place, right? People were eating ice cream and their chicken nuggets, and that's a safe place to have a little transaction. No crime should go on, right? Well, we show up to McDonald's, and sure enough, there were two losers that showed up, and they stole a bike from two young boys. Man, that's crazy. Anybody ever been robbed? What a feeling. The worst feeling, I think, in the world. I felt violated. My boys felt scared, but I felt violated. Now, here's what happened. Uh, these two uh, criminals, they didn't realize the police station was right across the street. And so as soon as they stole that bike and put it in their truck, I just hopped on my cell phone and called 911, and I said, yeah, it's a Ford Ranger. Here's a license plate. And within five minutes, they caught these two guys, and they had to spend six months in, in the Montgomery County Jail. And so I don't know what that leaves anybody, but hey, I was glad it turned out that way. But being robbed, it's a bad feeling. And God said there was a time when we used to trust him with all of our finances. We trust him enough that he died on the cross, that he came back to life on Easter. We trust him with that. But for some reason, we don't trust him with all of the tithe. Now, I know times are, are, are crazy right now. Inflation's up. People have lost jobs. Things are, things are just crazy in, in, in the financial world right now. 
Gas is five something a gallon. It's, it's, it's crazy. And I'm there with you. I'm starting to experience the, 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 uh, the heartache of some of this financial stuff. But you know what? I've lived my life long enough with Jesus to where I know he, he, he comes through. And I'm trusting him. And I'm not giving him 1%. I'm not giving him 3%. I'm giving him 10%. Why? Because he says, test me in this and see if I don't throw open the floodgates of heavens and pour out so much blessing on you that you won't have enough to store it. And so as you begin to look into this drift, maybe you're there. You've drifted away from trusting God with all of your finances. Here's what happens. When we rob God in the tithes, what we are really doing is we're really robbing ourselves of a blessing. Out of all the drifts found in the book of Malachi, this is the only drift that God has four blessings. He says, if you trust me in this, and you don't drift away, and you bring the whole tithe, you get four blessings. And so this week, what I want you to do, I want you to open your Bibles to Malachi chapter 3, and I want you to read those four blessings, and I want you to have a little wrestling match with God. Trust me, I've seen his provision, I've seen him. I'm a testimony of God's faithfulness in my finances. And now we come to the final drift that we find. The people, they drifted from their devotion with God. They begin to think, this relationship with God, man, this is pointless. Is it really going anywhere? I've been trying so hard to accomplish this. Is it really worth it anymore to keep on going in this relationship with Jesus? And they begin to stop being devoted. They stopped reading the word. They stopped bringing their best. They stopped loving people. They were the light of the world. Did you know that we are the light of the world? And there are times when we get to a point where we feel like, man, is it really worth it? I'm here to tell you, yes, it is. The people of God then, and I believe that I've seen and I've recognized that the people of God today, that we have loosened the rope of our life for other things in this world rather than the things of God's kingdom. And every time we begin to focus on the things of this world rather than the things of the kingdom, we begin to drift a little farther and then a little farther, a little farther away. As we prepare for communion here this morning, communion servers, you can come on up at this time. I want to share one final story It comes out of the book of John, the Gospel of John, last chapter 21. And in that story, in my Bible, the the title of it says, The Miraculous Catch of Fish. Oh, but it's so much more than just a lot of fish being caught that day. See, when you read this story, what you find is you find the disciple, Peter, who had drifted really, really far away. He had denounced Christ, not once, not twice, but three times. And now he has found himself back doing his old way of life. He used to be a fisherman, but God called him. Jesus specifically said, come follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. But through his loosening of the rope, his drifting, 
he found himself going back to his old way of life. And now he's in a boat with some other disciples and they've been fishing all night long. And the Bible says they haven't been catching anything. But then there was a voice that came from the shore. And the voice was the voice of Jesus. And they didn't know it at first. But Jesus said, throw your net on the other side of the boat. And in that moment, for whatever reason, Peter began to think, I'm going to obey this time. I'm going to do what Jesus tells me to do. And he threw his net on the other side of the boat. And the story says that they caught so much fish that they couldn't bring them all in. But here's where it gets really cool. At first, Peter didn't know it was Jesus on the shore. But then he recognized, it's Jesus. Wait, wait a second, I, I've drifted so far away from Jesus. And Jesus is calling me. Jesus is helping me. He, he's at the shore of my life right now when he should just let me go. Jesus was at the shore of his life. And it's what Peter does next that just changes everything. He doesn't even take off his clothes, but he jumps into the water. I hate wet clothes. But he jumps into the water and he begins to swim frantically back to the shore because he realizes he's been so far from Jesus and Jesus was the one standing on the shore of his life in the worst of the moments saying, come, my friend, come back to me. But there was other disciples and they took their time just rowing back to the shore. And so I think it's the person that realizes I've been this far. I've been really far away from Jesus. It's that person. It's me. It's you that realizes Jesus, he's still there for me. He's still calling me to be his child. And as Peter gets to the shore, you know what he does? Jesus brings some bread and he offers him some bread, and they begin to cook the fish that they just caught. And so as we take the elements this morning, I want you to think about the cross and all that Jesus has done for you. Has he been good to you? He's calling somebody in this place today. He's calling you back to him. If you've drifted in any way, maybe there's a drift that you didn't see up on the screen today that we talked about. Maybe there's an air in your life where you've just loosened that rope so much. The anchor of Christ, it, he used to be your foundation. He used to be your connection. He used to be the thing that prevented you from going to places you shouldn't have been. But today, he is calling somebody back into that close relationship with him. Let me pray and then you can come forward to take the elements. Father God, thank you for the moments in scripture that we can learn how much you love us and how much you desire to continue to be in our lives even when we've gone so far away. And so Jesus today, I don't know who it is, but I pray that they would come forward, that they would jump out of the pew, that they would jump out of the circumstances that they're in, and they would come running to the Father. Because I know, Father, I've experienced myself 
You have been there for me, and I know that you will be there for them. And so, Father, today, thank you for this time that we can remember your sacrifice in our lives. I pray now that people would come in Jesus' name. Amen. Come now and take the elements. Come now and spend some time at the altar. Give God a praise. Ask God to forgive you. Confess things in your life. Make things right in your relationship with Jesus this morning.